Last week on Heart and Soul we heard a little about the hymn writer Henry Francis Light and this week we're going to start off with another of his hymns. This is as sung by the Sheffield Celebration Choir. It's based on Psalm 103 and it is Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. And there we heard the Sheffield Celebration Choir and Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. Coming up on Heart and Soul this morning, we'll be hearing from Peter Stanford as he talks to Michael Barclay. Willie Wright is going to tell us a bit about the hymn writer Timothy Dudley Smith. Adrian Plass reads another chapter from his book The Unlocking. And towards the end of the programme, we'll hear more of the Reverend Matthew Robertson's reminiscences. As I said there, we're going to be hearing about Timothy Dudley Smith, but here and now is one of his hymns. It's sung by the Prom Praise Choir, accompanied by the All Souls musicians, and it is Safe in the Shadow.
And then we heard Timothy Dudley Smith's hymn, Safe in the Shadow. That was with the Prom Praise Choir and the All Souls Musician. That one's based on Psalm 91. Michael Barclay talks to Peter Stanford about protest songs. Peter is a writer and campaigner, and his choice of protest song was written and sung by Harry Chapin. And the song is called Barefoot Boy, about caring for the planet. A political protest song next. I know you've had some trouble narrowing this one down. Uh, <laughs> take us through the selection process. Who, what, why? Uh, well, I, I, perhaps I have a very literal brain, but I like things to be about things. And, and while I love a love song, and I have some love songs I'm incredibly fond of and that mean a lot to me, I do love a protest song. And I suppose that's the, the thing we were talking about just then, energy, wanting to change things. I'm not someone, when I see something that is wrong, that I don't think we should stand up and complain. And I think the more we stand up and complain, the more we raise our voices, uh, things get changed. So I was thinking a protest song. I mean, there were obvious ones as Bob Dylan, Billy Bragg I'm very fond of, Dave the Rapper, uh, Psychodrama very recently, all about kind of prisons and what what it does to you, very, very important to me. Um, But I ended up by thinking, I suppose the thing that I worry about most, the thing that keeps me awake most, is the, the future of the planet, like many people. And one of the first people to alert me to that uh, was an American singer-songwriter called Harry Chapin, who very sadly died in 1981 at the age of 39 in a car crash. Um, And I I, I love lots of his songs. This one in particular is about how we're destroying the Garden of Eden, and it's called Barefoot Boy. the country any way he can Barefoot boy he's fading down your street yes I know he'll never come this way again and time is all in this life of always changing people coming, building cities cut your forest pave your highway oh barefoot boy he wraps his blanket round his shoulder he says goodbye Misty mountains Once more he sets off To wander A barefoot boy He don't like your concrete And he seeks the country
That was Harry Chapin with Barefoot Boy from 1972. 1972. You know, this this was before we knew about climate change. This is before we had this vast green movement in the world. He was he was ahead of his time in that way. You know, this was a man who not only talked the talk, he walked the walk. He he actually gave most of his money away to humanitarian causes. I think two thirds of the concerts that he did, the the the, the money went went to the the causes he believed. In. He was on a presidential committee under Jimmy Carter to conquer world hunger. He really practised what he preached. I, li- I like that sort of thoroughgoingness in him. Uh, he's very well known in the States in the 70s, I think less well known here and now slightly forgotten, but uh, uh, we shouldn't forget people as quickly as we do. And Michael Barclay was talking to Peter Stanford. We're going to have music, but it's not going to be a protest song. We're going to be hearing just in a few minutes about Timothy Dudley Smith and his hymns. We've already heard one of them this morning, but here's another one, and it is Tell Out My Soul. That was Timothy Dudley Smith's Tell Out My Soul. The album doesn't actually name the musicians, but it certainly sounded to me very like the Prom Praise Choir and the All Souls Musicians again. Willie Wright was Minister of Pitlochry Baptist Church until his retirement to the Ayrshire coast. He has produced a series of talks about hymns and hymn writers And today we hear one about Timothy Dudley Smith. Timothy Dudley Smith was born on December 26th, 1926. Born in Manchester, though the family home was in a small town of Buxton in Derbyshire. His father owned and ran a small prep school, and it was there that the young Timothy Dudley Smith became a pupil. His father, who was a lover of poetry, communicated something of that enthusiasm to others, including his son. Prayers were a regular part of school life, but it was the news of his father's terminal illness which made the young Timothy turn to God in a new way. His father died in 1938, 
when Timothy was only eleven and a half. Not long afterwards, he felt that God was calling him to serve others, and that sense of call, which to begin with was indistinct, gradually crystallized as a call towards ordination and ministry. He moved as a boarder to Tonbridge School in Kent, and in 1944 he went to Pembroke College, Cambridge. Membership of the Christian Union brought him into a more vital Christian experience, and he took an active part in its work and in its missions. Before going to university, he had written poems, but at Cambridge he found himself writing comic verse. He also began writing a series of poems on Christian themes. After further studies at Ridley Hall, he was ordained and spent a couple of years as assistant curate at Erith in Kent, and then in 1953 went back to Cambridge and was appointed head of the Cambridge University Mission in Bermondsey. 1955, he became the first editor of a new magazine called Crusade. 1959, he moved on to become assistant secretary of the Church Pastoral Aid Society, a home missionary society of the Church of England. 1961 was an important year. In May of that year, he wrote a poem called "Tell Out My Soul: The Greatness of the Lord." It came to the notice of the Anglican Hymn Book Committee, who asked permission to include it in their new hymnal. That encouraged him to write other hymns. 1961 was also important because that was the year that a young minister by the name of Michael Bon came to work for CPAS. He had had a wide experience of Christian youth work and was keen to collect words and tunes to allow contemporary expression of youth praise and prayer in worship. That idea came to fruition when, in 1966, youth praise made its appearance. Followed in 1969 by Youth Praise Two, and in both of these, songs by Timothy Dudley Smith uh, featured. 1973, uh, the year when Sam Praise uh, saw the light of day, was also the year when Timothy Dudley Smith became Archdeacon of Norwich. He didn't have much time to write hymns, but what he did was to jot down in a notebook suitable themes and passages of scripture which might provide the basis for a hymn. The actual words,、uh, work of composing the hymn, was done on his annual holiday in Cornwall, where the family had a little house. So, in between picnics and swimming and sunbathing and walking, he turned his mind to his hymns, and he records a, a deep debt of gratitude to his family over the years for allowing him to make room for his writing. In 1981, he became Bishop of Thetford and an assistant to the Bishop of Norwich. And he retired in 1992, but didn't retire from writing his hymns. What can we say about the hymns of Timothy Dudley Smith? First of all, we can say that they are varied; they are not all of the same ilk. I'm not sure how many he's written. I think it would be in the few hundreds rather than the few thousands. But they're very, very varied. He uses over 80 different meters in his hymns. Second thing about it is that they're real hymns. I remember a few years ago standing next to someone in a meeting, and as we sang, my friend turned to me and said, "Isn't it good to sing a real hymn?" They were just so glad it wasn't another four-liner that we had to sing over and over and over again. Well, it's true. Timothy Dudley Smith writes real hymns with body, strong hymns, and yet gentle hymns at times as well. Another feature of his hymns is that they are steeped in Scripture, and in the truths of Scripture. His hymns cover most of the major doctrines and truths of the Christian faith, and cover all the seasons of the Christian year. A fourth and final feature of the hymns is that they glorify God. They enable worshippers to tell out the greatness of the Lord. They acknowledge His glory and the majesty of His name, but in the same at the same time, the theme of the greatness and the majesty of God does not detract from the sense of His nearness to us. So as well as hymns like "Name of All Majesty," there is a hymn like "As Water to the Thirsty," that express the reality of the presence of Christ. The love of God and the demonstration of that love in the cross features prominently in his writings, and also the need to express that love in concern for the world, a theme that's found, for example, in that great hymn, "Lord for the Years." His hymns have sometimes been compared to those of Charles Wesley. Which I'm sure is a gratifying comparison, as he is a great admirer of Wesley.
Timothy Dudley Smith now lives in Salisbury and continues to write hymns. We give thanks to God for his rich contribution to our heritage of hymns. And that was Willie Wright telling us about Timothy Dudley Smith and his hymns. And we're going to have one more of them, and it is Lord for the Years. And our next song was written originally in Spanish by a Spanish priest, Cesario Azamendi, I think his name is. We'll have the English version. It takes its inspiration from Jesus calling his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. There's a mention of boats, and Jesus seems to have been quite, uh, quite frequently in boats belonging to the disciples. Uh, The Gospels tell us that once on a night crossing, he went to sleep and left the navigation to the experts. Here's Tim Lewis with the song, and it is called, called, Lord, You Have Come to the Hillside. Lord, you have come to the seashore. Searching for the rich, not the wise, desiring only that I should follow. O Lord, with your eyes set upon me, gently smiling, you have spoken my name. Side, I will seek other shores. 
Did you that? I can imagine myself on the seashore or perhaps even on the boat as well. That was Tim Lewis with Lord, You Have Come to the Seashore. Adrian Plants has written a book called The Unlocking, published by the Bible Reading Fellowship. Today we hear him explaining how we should share all our problems with God in a chapter called Cry from the Heart. Cry from the Heart. O Lord, God of my salvation, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Unlike most of the psalms, this shout of pain begins and ends with darkness. The only hint of optimism lies in the writer's obvious belief that it is worth addressing all these desperate sentiments to God. Depression, bad health and continuous ill fortune have the effect of drying up communication with God. The person who wrote this psalm was battering on the doors of heaven from his sickbed or his circumstances to grasp the attention of God with an outpouring of anguish that is undiluted by watery religion. There really is nothing wrong, you know, with telling God exactly how you feel. Once in a meeting, I felt that it would be useful for some people to forgive God for what he'd done or failed to do in their lives. Of course, I added, he hasn't actually done anything wrong, but that's the problem. Resentment and disappointment fester when they're allowed no expression. And the God I know 
He's quite able to handle the hurt that we feel, especially if it's directed safely towards him. A year later, I met a lady who described how that few minutes of straightness with God had revolutionised her relationship with him. There's only one rule about addressing God, especially when we're failing completely. Speak from the heart, like a child. I am less than one year old. Just now, when I was feeling really bad, some people came to my house and carried me outside to a white lorry. My daddy gave me to them, even though I felt really, really poorly. He helped them put me in the lorry, and then he got in as well, and after a lot of bumping, we've come to a very big house full of people in white clothes. Daddy left me with a lady who I don't know, and she did things to me that I didn't like. Daddy let her! And then Daddy came back, but only for a very little while, and he didn't even hold me or look at me, because his hands were over his face. Different people keep coming in and staring at me. I'm ever so hungry, but Daddy hasn't brought me any dinner. I feel even more poorly than I did when Daddy gave me to those men. Why did he do that? I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't like it here. My head feels funny. I don't understand why Daddy doesn't take me home and stop the hurting. Why doesn't he care about me anymore? When he comes back in, I'm going to cry and cry and cry and cry. Pray with me. Father, some of us want to climb up on your knee, batter your chest like little children, and maybe even say, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Small children usually cry when they've done that, and then they fall asleep, cuddled up on the lap of the person they've been shouting at. Oh, Father, some of us need to do that so badly. Will you help us now, please? Amen. Uh, yes, and I can sympathise with that baby. I well remember being left in a hospital at the age of three or maybe even four and I cried and cried and cried. I think I was actually uh, quite angry. Uh, we'll hear more from Adrian Plass again next week. Just a reminder though that you're tuned to Heartland FM on 97.5 of the Digital Access Channel or heartland.scot and it'll be Bridge FM if you're in one of the hospitals in the Dundee area. But wherever you are, welcome to Heartland FM. Welcome to this programme. It's Heart and Soul. Uh, this morning with David Wilkie and me, Howard Simpson. Both of us working from our respective homes, relying on Sam Ross putting all the pieces together. Now, let's have some more music. And this time it's going to be Steph McLeod with Celtic Worship and it's 10,000 reasons or bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship your
bless the Lord, O my soul, or Ten Thousand Reasons. A very popular song with churches that use the more modern songs, it was written by and originally recorded by Matt Redmond. The Reverend Matthew Robertson spoke to Pilochi Church of Scotland Guild about his various life experiences. Today we hear him talking about the end of his time as an army chaplain and his move to parish ministry in Cawdor and Croy, which is near Inverness. As I said earlier, all these years I was engaged in the same ministry as my civilian colleagues. Wherever I served, I conducted Sunday worship in the training areas of Germany or Kenya, Belize, other parts. I conducted short services in the field or in the jungle. In accompanied postings like Germany, there was a Sunday school for the children. I also conducted weekly school assemblies in a large garrison church in Aldershot, where I was for four years, there's a branch of the Women's Guild. In some of our Scottish regiments, there's a kept session, as in parishes here in Scotland. So all in all, service chaplaincy is not so dissimilar to parish ministry. It was a ministry that got me very close to the men. When I was stationed at Fort George, outside Inverness, I was with the Kings on Scottish borders in those days, and I would pack eight or ten soldiers into a four-tonner and drive down to Strathallan Airport outside Ochterarda, and we would spend the Monday to Friday parachuting. And that was, that was great. And there's no minister, I believe, could ever get closer to his flock than when jumping out of an aeroplane. <laughs> and it always intrigued me that when the plane door opened at 15,000 feet, it was made crystal clear to me that the one who would jump first was the party. <laughs> it seemed to give them a sense of assurance to see my parachute open, and they're quite happy then to, to follow. But it was this close identification with the men that I particularly valued about army chaplaincy. At the 25-year point, I had gone up the promotion ladder and found myself as a senior chaplain to the army in Scotland, regular army, territorial army and army cadet force based in Craigie Hall, Cramond, outside Edinburgh. And there I was surrounded not by soldiers but by senior officers and paperwork. Happy headquarters, but not my idea of ministry, but I did feel that I should give something back for all the happy years that I'd had among soldiers. Two years of that, and it was time to continue my ministry in civilian life. I took a nine-month break, went off to visit my wife's sister in Australia, and came back to think about a parish. In fact, there was an inquiry awaiting me, thanks to my early years with the Queen's on Highlanders and the good folks of Cawdor and Croy outside the Burness called me as their minister and as always I pursued the same line of being available to one and all at any time for I believe that the parish minister should be just that he's the parish minister inducted to a parish to serve the people of the parish all the people not just those who are diligent in worship. I've always considered visiting important. Increasingly I meet ministers who see little merit in routine visiting and by and large don't. That's their view, it's not mine. I don't accept that a minister can live in a community without being involved with the people through the relationships that make up the bundle of life in that community. I regard baptisms, marriages and funerals, whether those involved are regulars in church or not, as evangelical opportunities from which no minister should turn aside. Church-going and non-church-going, I try to befriend them all, because the heart of ministry must be care and concern for one and all. And such mixing with one and all is doing no more than following the footsteps of Jesus himself, who mixed freely in all circles. Through mixing with parishioners, church-going and non-church-going, I got lots of ideas for 
Am I sad in the construction? How often have I sat with a blank sheet of paper from that week? When they haven't got a good sermon started, and then an incident that I met with somebody in the congregation, somebody in the village, and it got me going. And I got many a chuckle. I think of one local worthy with whom I had many a street conversation, usually along the lines of discouraging him from putting so much whiskey down his <laughs> neck. But after one such conversation, we went our separate way with ways with his words ringing in my ear. Look, Minister, I don't want to be seen speaking to you in the road like this too often. I don't want to get a bad name. <laughs> but at Christmas time, there would come a card with his name and thank you for being a friend to me. Now that's what ministry is about, caring. Matthew Robertson talking to Pitlochry Church of Scotland Guild. And that's it for Heart and Soul this morning. Thank you for being with us. Our thanks too to Matthew Robertson there, Adrian Plass, Willie Wright, uh, Michael Barclay and Peter Stanford. And a special thank you for putting the whole thing together. Special thank you to Sam Ross. Uh, Eddie Rose is on after news at 9, Colin Phillips at 11, Dave Barry with the service at 1, Anne-Marie's at 2, Mike Marwick at 5, Ian Moyes at 7 and Chris Stanton at 9, all here on Heartland FM. Meantime, David Wilk and I, I'm Howard Simpson, will wish you a good day, a good week and God's blessing. And here now is Brenton Brown with Praise is Rising.
Face the game. 